That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right. HIAC talk radio is always exciting. Get in there. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian. I think you broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all all this is starting off great hey everybody welcome to hic talk radio i swear i can count from 10 to 1 i'm the other guy dan calchico who's completely forgot the intro with me as always is somebody who's gonna carry my ass this week craig lagans we have a hell of a wrestling historian to go over but we also have some shit to discuss apparently Finally, the news works in our favor. Usually, somebody dies or news breaks after we're off the air. And I feel terrible because then I put out an episode uh, without a tribute to somebody who's passed that deserves it. I think the one time that we got back on was uh, was a Crockett. Yeah. We were like, uh, you want to record tomorrow? Yeah, okay. Uh, but this time, the news broke. Just for us, yesterday, was it yesterday? I don't know. This Is it Wednesday? It's Wednesday. It Wednesday. Oh, all yeah, day. Yeah, 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 all day. Tomorrow, Thursday. Thursday comes after Wednesday. But anyway, uh, Cody and Brandy Rhodes are leaving AEW. Let me just put it out there like that. I, uh, okay. <laughs> like, I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know what to say. Mind is blown. Um, Cody left WWE years ago and had an idea whether or we're not discussing how it's gone yet. We will. We'll always get there. We eventually always get there with AEW or any wrestling company on TV because, man, the WWE is horrible. Um, But Cody, you know, recruited his friends, said he's going to do something. And a lot of people said, no, you're not. And, and he said, yeah, y- yes, I am. And did with Tony Khan as the financial backer on TNN, T- T- not TNN, no, TNT and TBS uh, started AW Dynamite, AW Evolution, AW Dark, AW Rampage. Yeah. Uh, another competition for Vince McMahon and the WWE or whoever's running it this week. <laughs> Last week, we referenced because of our friend socks that Cody was no longer booking. Well, none of them were booking. It's all Tony Khan in charge. Now the very next week, everybody releases a statement thanking the roads and the roads released a statement thanking everybody else. So after four years, three Cody and Brandy Rhodes are leaving All Elite Wrestling. Where they're going, I don't know. Everybody says the obvious for going to WWE. I have no idea. I have the the bodies are still warm here, and I don't even know what to think about that. But yeah, that's it. The rain's over. He's gone. Craig, I was as shocked as you, Dan, 
from especially from the person who for all intents and purposes is credited with starting AEW is one of the founders um, of AEW of bringing this all these talent together this talent together and him being the, the guy on top you know the public face of AEW he was he was Mr. AEW you know uh, even you know pounding the pavement going to media markets trying to sell this you know to even though it was already bought I mean Tony Khan the, like you said the money man financial backing which is key to any wrestling organization when getting it off the ground folks for all you would be entrepreneurs that want to start a wrestling company oh you um, know it all <laughs> but they're in the best possible position you've got net where you've got a network tv deal you've got a financial backing you've got clout because of who you are of Cody Rose and because of the the connections and the goodwill that he's that he's had throughout his wrestling career he's made friends he hasn't you know made enemies he hasn't you know effed anyone over or, or you know been on bad terms with folks because now there is and we've always said or i've always said that uh having a alternative to wwe or having you know uh, another wrestling organization is good for wrestling. It's good for professional wrestling. It always has been. It always, and it doesn't have to be a competition, but just an alternative. You know, that's why territories were so great. That's why indies were so great. And now Cody was spearheading this second generation and knows the business inside and out. And, you know, having a father who's one of the great bookers of all time who learned from the best, he was in good hands. So him leaving... And I don't think we'll we'll get the full story for weeks, months, you know, if if ever. Uh, I just came out of nowhere, especially since Okuda was on, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and made it clear that he was. I mean, I don't know if him dropping the belt to Sammy, the the TBS belt, uh, in that insane uh, fall count anywhere match. If that was his hit, that is it will will be his last match. In AEW, maybe he knew it already that that was going to be his last match. That's why he wanted to put everything out there and almost kill himself in the process. Strange way to go out if you know that's your last match. Yeah. But um, I'm I'm completely shocked. You know what, what we've criticized Cody for. You know, in the past, at least I have, um, is that Cody's using wrestling to be a TV star. Because that's really what he wants. I mean, started you know his his cameos on on Arrow and um, Legends of uh, Legends of Tomorrow, and now he's a host of a game show on the very network that he does a wrestling show on. Um, I think him. I think that was his 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 avenue, his leg up, and then of course the uh, roads to his reality show with his wife, roads to nowhere or something. Um, this was all. Thank you, David <laughs> Byrne. Thank you, David Byrne. I, I don't remember the name of this. I, don't know. I have watched zero episodes. No yeah. freaking idea. Yeah, and, I'm not, and I'm not knocking it. I'm just. I am. I have no idea what the stupid show's called. <laughs> but I'm saying these are these are examples of Cody uh, reaching. He's like he Cody to me. Dan was a tiki barber of professional wrestling. Yeah, we Good know an analogy. Yeah. Yeah, we know you play football, but we also know what you really want to be doing other than yeah. playing football. 
Yeah, so it's it kind of like you got, he had his one foot out the door even while he was wrestling. And unlike football, you can make you can set your own hours. And uh, if he didn't want to wrestle, he doesn't have to. So obviously we're all thinking he's going to WWE for some reason. It's been reported he's going back to the WWE. Um, I even heard that is that he was going to be a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble a couple weeks ago. I didn't think there was any merit to that then, but now it is WrestleMania season. I was going to say, isn't that funny how that worked out? Like last week, you were, no, and now everybody's like, oh. But if you're, uh, but if you're Cody, why would you go back to another sinking ship? And what could you help to do on WWE that you couldn't do on on AEW? You had pretty much, I know Tony was making the booking, but let's face it, Cody could pick and choose what. When he wrestled, who we wrestled, who we went over, you're not gonna have that in WWE. I mean, you can, his name. you can ask for creative control. <laughs> I, no, 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 I get it. You can ask for it, though. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I, I, him leaving again, it's a shock because, um, I don't know what he's got. Unless he's got something lined up that we don't know about, but I because I think him going to the WWE would be a huge step back, and definitely wouldn't help him. I mean, he spent his his last three years in AEW getting his his own show or leveraging it to get his own show, and he's still under a TBS TNT contract because the Go Big Show was still going on. So I don't know how that's going to fly in the WWE because he definitely can't plug it there. You know, then I got plug. Yeah, it's and he's he all these guys over and gets everybody yeah. coming, and then it's like I'm out. I'll see you later. Yeah, yeah. that's why I think he 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 has got some type of um, or maybe just almost concentrating on being an actor. Maybe wants to. Uh, isn't Brandy pregnant? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he wants to start a. Maybe they want to just chill and be family for a little while. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, uh, unless I he's able to go to WWE and say, hey, I want creative control and I want to only work these many dates. That ain't happening. I, I don't think. That ain't happening in WWE. Again, he had more, way more freedom in, in AEW, like where he is right now. But he's gone. I don't... I love to see where he lands next. Um, but uh, the, him going to WWE would be a huge step back for him. Especially... With what he wants to do, if what he wants to do was still be an actor, be in Hollywood, you know, going to WWE would be a big mistake. So, um, I'm I'm still shocked. I don't see what I looking forward to see what the future holds for for Cody and Brandy. Maybe he works NWA for a little while. They could use a, na- a bigger name like that. Definitely, and his dad is uh, synonymous with the NWA. That they could work that in beautifully. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was a it was a weird day. <laughs> it was a weird day to find that out. It was indeed. Did not see that coming. I'm, I'm out. I mean, it clears up a spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and with what was but what but which spot though? Because Cody was getting booed like a heel. Even though he made it very clear in one of his uh, last monologues that he's not, he's never going to turn heel. Um, but what spot does he does does that open up for someone? 
who can slide into that spot or whatever spot that hope that Cody had a, a face that people boo or a, a heel that should be a face. Man, I don't know. Yeah, and honestly, because Cody was so part timer, I don't know who that, that there's such a big void there anyway. You know, as far as uh, top baby faces. And the AEW has made such a big deal about, oh, it doesn't matter if you're heel or face because they have heels wrestling each other. They have faces wrestling each other. There's no rhyme or reason to it. You can tell Tony Khan is booking. The, the sad part about, you know, I said earlier, kids, if you want to start a wrestling, wrestling company, you need you know financial backer. The people that have the money don't know anything about wrestling. The people who know a lot about wrestling don't have the money. And I hate that about this business. Because someone who does, who would know how to do it the right way, doesn't have the capital that Tony Khan has. And Tony Khan, who's strictly a fan, doesn't know shit about booking. He's never done it in his life. And he won't hire someone to do it, even though he could, Steve Regal. Um, and so we get the same garbage we get every, you know, with AEW. Heels versus heels, faces versus faces. They're really talented people we never see on television. Like a like a Hobbs or an FDR, but the mediocre talent we see every damn week: best friends, um, Trent Beretta, Orange Cassidy, that kind of thing. Um, so maybe Cody just got sick of what he saw and left. It's partly his fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess what makes, that's what makes it so shocking, Dan. You started this mess. You said you well. He lives, literally could be the living body, but if you don't love it, leave it. You know what? This is a bad idea about well, you did it. You started it. Yeah. <laughs> In other news, 205 Live is finally dead. I mean, let's face it, Craig, it's been dead for a year and a half. I agree. Uh, they once again, in the great scheme of things, the cruiserweights and the lighter wrestlers are forgotten about, just shoveled into the main stuff. And the title is put on the back burner. And the TV show was called 205 Live, which is funny because you had guys like Joe Gacy and all the bigger guys wrestling on it, which is, I love Joe Gacy to get death, but he and I have not been 205 in many years. Nope. Uh, but it's the nail in the coffin. It's finally done. It's going to be renamed NXT Level Up. So we're getting still another TV show. I don't know, Craig. I am just the messenger. NXT Leveled Up. There's no... Um, information past that don't even have a logo or a format I don't know if it's going to be a feeder for NXT or if NXT 2.0 is going to be the feeder for the level up and you're going to have a middle show between there and the big shows uh, not Paul White I mean Raw and Smackdown uh, but yeah so 205 Live is dead uh, long live 205 Live NXT level up. Aren't you excited? No, because you don't know what the frick it is. No, and no one does. <laughs> no one does. <laughs> I don't think they know either, man. You know, well, you look back at the talent that there was on 205 Live, back when there was a 205 Live, and they gave us some great matches. And you had guys like Rich Swan and Cedric Alexander. And, um, well, he's called Pac now, but when he was... Um, Forget. His name escapes me. Neville. Neville. Sorry. Um, Neville. Nigel. Yeah. 
uh, Austin Aries. Um, you had some Cedric like, Alexander, Anthony Neath, Tony Neath, excuse me. Yeah, Rich Swan. Um, Drake uh, Maverick, kind of. Yeah. Uh, Tozawa, back before he was a clown. Um, you had, um, he had great talent and guys that knew how to go. And, you know, you see highlight packages of 205 Live, you know, I thought you knew it was good because I, I didn't watch the show. But then I'd see stuff that happened the night before I retweeted all over social media. Like, did you see this move? Like, wow. You know, and it's, it was uh, something to see. And when those guys made it to the big roster, it, you know, took away from, it's like, you know, we were talking before we went on the air about Negro Leagues. Um, you take the best players and take them to the major leagues. And next thing you know, that the place you took them from is no longer viable because you took all the big, you took all the top stars. You took all, you didn't make new stars. A thing with 205 Live. And there's more of those wrestlers than there are of the, the big super heavyweights that, that Vince loves and that always get pushed. So um, it's, Sad to see another show go, and and the NXT brand is just you know, making it over and painting it a rainbow color and turning on the lights. Um, unless you infuse your your show with better booking and better talent, all that's not going to do anything. Polish a turd; it's still a turd. Exactly. Yes. Oh, I finished it for you. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. I was excited. I was when they were. I was like, all right, man, we're gonna change it from the yellow and black, and we're gonna infuse a little life into it. I can't wait to. Oh. Oh. <laughs> okay. Fun well, outlasting. Uh, Craig. That being yeah. said, I got unless you got something with uh, today in professional wrestling, it's time to go back and look at yesterday in professional wrestling. Yesteryear. Yeah. Yesteryear. Back, we'll go back in the way back machine, uh, Sherman, and I'll be your Peabody to my Sherman. Um, Peabody, wow. I think we travel back to when we'd have to worry about uh, an organization changing their name uh, to something else. Um, back when wrestling was wrestling before there were uh, network television deals, there were territories um, where every they were wrestling in all 50 states. And if a wrestler left one territory, they wouldn't announce it. They just would lose their lose lead town match or just lose their final match and they'd show up somewhere else. And they could start anew, learn a new hold, you know, have a new haircut, have a new something. And fans like me would eat it up. Because I heard about this. Yeah, he was a big deal in Georgia. I wonder what he'll be like in, in Florida. Or, yeah, I know him in world class, but now that he's in the Carolinas, did that carry over? That was the beauty of professional wrestling. That's what I'm going to try to impart to you here because this, ladies and gentlemen, is not sports entertainment. This is professional wrestling. This is the wrestling historian. <laughs> I want to bring up something uh, that I posted today on my Facebook page on Craig Lagans. On uh, Facebook, because uh, a couple people didn't know this. Um, this Dick Anderson and Floyd Council, <laughs> not that. Oh, <laughs> wrestling related. I I also didn't know 
folks that uh, Pink Floyd was named after two blues musicians. So that's my that was my. You don't know how happy that makes me know that you now know that because it's one of the coolest thing, one of the whitest bands ever (laughs) in the history of the world. And I love Pink Floyd, but damn, was they white? Yeah, was named after by by arguably the coolest guy in the band at the time before he went crazy. Named after two obscure blues men, yeah. Pink Anderson and Floyd Council. Every day I remember that I'm like, uh, that's what they're named after. I'm going, yes, that's awesome. <laughs> well, uh, I, sorry. I, yeah, I posted that also on my Facebook page because I, I honestly didn't know that fact. But um, what I posted today was something that people, uh, some fans didn't know. It didn't happen in, in wrestling history. But I wanted to bring it bring it up because this is Black History Month, and one of the most recognizable Black wrestlers um, actually competed in the Olympics. Um, in 1976, Alan Coage won a bronze, oh, yeah. won a bronze medal for the United States in judo, and he became the first Black athlete to win an individual medal in the Olympics that wasn't boxing or track and field in 1976. Got to meet the president, Gerald Ford, um, like when he met all the entire Olympic team, all the Olympic medalists. Uh, So Alan Coage was a big deal. Again, only Olympian to to medal in uh, in judo, won the bronze, and uh, later broke into professional wrestling as Alan Coage, under his name, managed by Freddie Blassie. Had a black gloves, had a sparkly tights. Didn't go anywhere as Alan Coage. Kept his first name Alan, though. Went to Stampede, befriended Bret Hart, a young Sylvester Ritter, before he changed his name. The Junkyard Dog, but <laughs> Sylvester Junkyard Dog, Bret Hart, Jake Roberts, all in Stampede, same time that Alan Coage was. He got to learn the ropes, got to be a little bit better, found a persona that he liked. And after that, he became Bad News Allen for much of his career until he got to the WWF. Vince didn't like the Allen so much, but liked the color of his skin. So Allen... No, he didn't. (laughs) Bad News Brown. (laughs) And so that's who he was. So yes, a lot of people didn't know that Bad News Brown is a former... is a Olympic medalist in judo. So he was not, not Kurt Angle, but Bad News was the first Olympic medalist to appear in the WWE. Bad News Brown used to terrify me because I believed he would kill the good guy in the ring. Yeah. Every time. And and I was kind of coming into wrestling as he was kind of going away, but Uh he still, man, it was one of those wrestlers like Stone Cold. You would believe he would punch his boss. You would believe Bad News Brown. I like Bad News Allen better. Once I learned that growing up, I was like, why did you call him Brown? That's stupid. Uh, Bad News Allen, uh, I thought, would kill all the people I liked (laughs) in the ring, just break their legs and throw them out into the crowd or something. Like, unbelievable. Can I tell you something, Dan? Bad News Allen, Bad News Brown, every story I heard about him or I thought was urban legend turned out to be true. True, including the one where he... Where, where Andre the Giant dropped a slur and he told that motherfucker he was going to kick his ass, let's go, and Andre didn't want to fight him. 
And I believe in the heart of hearts. Do I think Bad News Allen could hurt him? He's a big guy. No, probably not. But do I believe that Bad News Allen believed that he was going to kill Andre for what he said to him? Absolutely. And I wouldn't have blamed him. <laughs> that was true. And I heard, and I heard when they would wrestle and when WWF would come to uh, Madison Square Garden, Bad News took the subway, walked up, and walked through the garden before he was wrestling, uh, right, right, right with the crowd. Can you imagine any wrestler in the, in the 80s walking, going, taking the subway to Madison Square Garden, and he walked up just like, and no, nobody bothered him. Nobody said anything. Oh, that's bad news. Yep, that's bad news. We, we, he's going to work. He's doing, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he would, every time they went to the Madison Square Garden, he'd take the subway. And walk up with the crowd. Because he could. And, yeah. Because he could. And, no, and nobody bothered him. And the Andre, they were on a bus. They were on, on they were traveling to the next. And Andre said something in the back because Andre is so big, you know, he couldn't sit there. And he said something and, and a racial slur. And Bad News looked back and said, Yo, Andre, watch your mouth. And that's all he said. And Andre told him to fuck off. And bad news said, "Diplomatic, Andre, very good." <laughs> he said, "Look, he said, and he said to Lori, you can believe whatever you want to believe, and you can say whatever you say. Just don't say it around me, because if I hear it, there's going to be a problem." And that's what he said. He said, "Yo, once we get off this bus, I you said, have I a problem." You, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I told you that either we're going to have a problem. And he got off the bus. He waited for Andre. He did not back down. Hogan the pussy went to go get help because he help thought, help. That's what I imagine. Huh, Terry sound help. Because he thought anyone that would fight Andre must have a gun or a knife or something. No, but, not everybody's as shitty as you, Hulk. Yeah. And and also, bad news, Alan Coach. He was a judo master. He's used to guys being bigger than him. Because judo isn't about beating someone of this big game. Judo is about leverage. So if anyone could take Andre off his feet. That's he a hell of leverage right there. Yeah. But uh, but he wasn't. But he, he, and that was very. And Andre, the next day, went to his hotel room and apologized. Um, and I, the way Bad News told him, he might have been drunk or it might have been. But he said something I didn't like. And I just saw him to watch his mouth. And. Like when sober heads prevailed, he apologized to Bad News, and he never heard anything else. And they they never had a problem after that because they worked together. They're buddies, yeah, they work together. What I don't understand is is when you say something stupid, mm-hmm. and, and didn't I have to learn this the hard way too? So I'm asking this of myself when I was younger. When mm-hmm. someone asks you to watch your mouth because you said something stupid, why is the first action always to go, "No, fuck you, no"? No, <laughs> you know what? Sorry. Yeah, but you know, well, I can also I see Andre's side of it. Like, what the fuck are you gonna do? I'm Andre. That I'm not okay. Good for you. You're mad. No, and and when it's happened to me, I have to because I'm like I had my first thing is what did I say? Because I am I genuinely asking. Did yeah, I, yeah. Well, what did I say to make you the upset you? What what what? Tell me what I've done. Exactly. Oh, okay. Well, I won't do that again. Yes. 
Oh, and also, most importantly, I apologize that I did something stupid. Don't apologize for offending someone. Don't apologize that you upset so many people. Apologize for doing something stupid, gentlemen, Jervis. <laughs> anyway. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so that was our moment in Black history that I posted today. Alan Coage, former Olympic bronze medalist in judo. Looks by the name of Bad News Brown. Whereas uh, I like to call him Banff, badass motherfucker. <laughs> Unfortunately, he died in 07. Yeah. And it was a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, so working, he was uh, working as a security guard. Um, oh. And, well. um, even be, and, it was, and even when he was recognized, you know, uh, as a wrestler, he was always very kind and you know, it's like, yeah, that's me. And um, when they give anyone a hard time, despite his reputation, but everything he uh, he <laughs> he did, or you know, all the stories I heard about him. I love the idea that you're about to do something stupid with the security guard is bad news, Alan, and you know it's bad news, Alan, and you still try to do that stupid thing. Oops, I should reevaluate this. Yeah. It's just- <laughs> Look into that further. Um, he won. Judo. He won a bronze for what? Oh, judo. Yes, shit. The legitimate tough guy. Um, he's one of those guys, and he worked pretty stiff. And if he, if any of you guys remember his matches with, uh, uh, with Hogan or with Randy Savage, uh, he knew how to he he knew how to hit somebody and make it look really bad. But he was also a guy that you didn't want to mess with. But he was cool with everyone because anybody know if he got out of line with bad news, he he let you know. But um, yeah, as one uh, of my favorite moments in WrestleMania at that Battle Royal in Atlantic City at Boardwalk Hall. Very important with, with uh, Bret Hart and the trophy. Great moment. Yes, that was Bret Hart turning face. Yep. And did you notice Dan in that Battle Royal WrestleMania four who the last three participants were? Was Bret Hart, Bad News, and Jake the Snake Roberts? I couldn't remember the third. I was like, yeah, "Who was the last one?" <laughs> Three Calgary Stampede guys that started together. Uh, that was by design. Not a lot of uh, big things that happened. Some things were little that we can make big. Um, I was talking to our our listeners and our viewers about a uh, a title change that took place this week in wrestling history. That I think is still one of the greatest endings to any wrestling match I've ever seen. Um, and I talk about this every year only because I witnessed it and because I was living in Florida when it happened, the Florida right. Heavyweight Championship. Um, and I guess the reason I'll talk about it every year because it hasn't been done. And it gets so easy to do. But no one's ever done it or hasn't done it since then. I thought it was genius. I thought this would be copied. This finish would be copied over and over like a dusty finish. And it hasn't. Florida heavyweight title February 12, 1985 got the witnesses Jesse Barr who some of you fans might know as Jimmy Jack Funk wrestling under a Lone Ranger mask in the late eight, in the late 80s early 90s well before that he was Jesse Barr one of the best pound for pound wrestlers he was a Florida heavyweight champion another guy who you might know from the WWF not having a stellar career well I had a stellar career there was 
be Brian Blair. Now, when Brian Blair wrestled in the WWF, he was a mid-card guy. Went after the Killer Bees, but before that, he was just an enhancement talent. But when he came to Florida, he was Superman. He was a Florida heavyweight champion. He beat Rick Rude. He went to a one-hour bloody draw with Bruiser Brody. Okay? Brian Blair in Florida was like Piper in Portland. Or like or like Jerry Lawler in Memphis. But Brian Blair in the WWF, just another guy. Anyway, these two just other guys, when they were in the WWF, were big deals in Florida. Especially to me, because Florida Championship Wrestling was huge in 1985. Well, Brian Blair was a Florida heavyweight champion. And Jesse Barr was, like I said, one of the best wrestlers in the, in the company. Definitely one of the best wrestlers in Florida. So, referee goes down. Jesse Barr takes out a pair of brass knuckles, knocks out Brian Blair. The referee's coming, too. So, does Jesse Barr cover Brian Blair, who he just knocked out with brass knuckles? No. He pulls Brian Blair on top of him. So the referee doesn't notice anything. He starts counting. One, two. Jesse Barr kicks out. Of course, Brian Blair is still unconscious. So Jesse Barr pulls him, kicks out, pulls himself up, comes off the rope and gives him a giant elbow smash and then strains over to cover Brian Blair, who's still knocked out from the brass knuckles. One, two, three. Referee doesn't notice it, doesn't suspect a thing. He thinks Jesse Barr just had a comeback because he kicked out of a two count. And Jesse Barr becomes the new Florida heavyweight champion. One of the best endings I've ever seen. And no one's done it since. And until they do it, I'm going to bring it up every, every year. And, the then, and when they do do it, you're going to bring it up and compare it with the one that was just done, how it wasn't done as good <laughs> as Brian Blair and Jesse Barr. God damn it. You have standards to live up to. And while that was happening, Dan, in February 12, 1985, all the way up to the north in Poughkeepsie, New York, Poetown in the house, uh, there was a WWF TV taping and um, Greg Valentine and Jimmy Hart, Greg Valentine and Jim Neidhart, I should say. Uh, slightly both, different. Yeah, slightly different. Uh, both had uh, rest singles matches on that taping, but that was the debut, the WWF debut of Jimmy Hart. Uh, February 12, 1985, oh. managing both uh, Greg Valentine and Jim Neidhart. That was the uh, WWF debut of Jimmy Hart. This, this is a two-part <laughs> wrestling uh, historian moment because it took place over several days. And some would say this changed the course of the WWE, the Attitude Era, uh, but it definitely painted, in my mind, the legacy of one of the uh, defining, defining wrestlers of the Attitude Era. Uh, February 13th, 1997, they, they did a Thursday edition of Raw, and uh, the current WWF heavyweight champion was indeed Shawn Michaels, uh, at February 13, 1997. It was supposed to defend his belt. Uh, but unfortunately, Dan, it was on this date that Sean proclaimed that he lost his smile. Aww. So the belt would turn into a final four pay-per-view starting with uh, Undertaker, Vader, 
Bret Hart and Steve Austin. And to for have those four fight it out. Uh, also on that card, the little known fact that the undercard of that bout, uh, Triple H lost the Intercontinental Championship to The Rock. <laughs> and what would be The Rock's, that would be The Rock's first title. Oh, wow. February 13th, 1997. Um, that was February 13th. Uh, February 15th. That was part one, sorry. February 15th. Um, no Way Out pay-per-view 2004. Rockets crowd was there to witness history. Uh, Brock Lesnar with just a little bit of help from Goldberg lost the WWE heavyweight title. The one where there was only one belt to the now late great Eddie Guerrero. We'll say it every year. Yeah. One of the greatest, probably top 10 wrestlers of all time. Yes, definitely in my top 10. Always made my, he was in my top 10 before he left us, unfortunately. Um, the guy could do it all. Great face, great heel. Second generation superstar. You know, we talk about wrestling families and just certain people just have it, you know, with the... Uh, with the Von Erics, you know, that uh, David had the whole package. Carrie had to look. Um, the hearts, you know, Brett stuck out, but no one could do what Owen could do. Owen has the athleticism off the charts. Uh, the Armstrongs, Brad had it all, but Road Dog had the, had the voice. With the Guerreros, Chavo came out, you know, like gangbusters in the 70s, and his brothers, Hector and, and, and Mondo, had good careers, had fine careers, but the youngest, Eddie, was just, you know, and it was, and it was, you would think it'd be unthinkable for him to top what Chavo was doing in the 70s because he was um, the, the biggest star on the West Coast. And between Chavo, Bob Backlund, and Ricky Steamboat, those three guys were all earmarked to be NWA champion at some point, or at least a world champion. Uh, because they were part of the youth directive that um, Eddie Graham, Fritz von Erich, Bob Geigel uh, instructed to have the. They were they had enough of the grizzled veterans. They wanted to get back to the Luthez type of wrestler. Luthez, at one time, was the youngest heavyweight champion of all time. He was the NWA champion at 21, 22. So they saw those three: Chavo, Ricky Steamboat, and Bob Backlund as a guy that would that could carry the NWA. Uh, going forward, uh, Chavo was in LA where they were drawing sellout crowds at the Olympic Auditorium, and where the NWA had been a stronghold since uh, Freddie Blassie was a nationally known star. Um, and this is before cable, so to be a big in LA was as big as being in Texas or being in uh, in Madison Square Garden, and then Chavo Guerrero was. That dude, and as great as he was, as revolutionary as he was, he was a guy who was doing front flips off the turnbuckle when no one else was doing it. He'd be boring now if you saw it, considering what you see on AEW every week, but to have a guy like that doing it, no one had ever seen it before. But Eddie, 
the youngest, you know, coming in ahead of all, you know, all, just surpassed his brothers in no time just because he had it. Whether it was the look, the smile, uh, the work ethic, the charisma. Like I said, he could be a great, great face, a great heel. The guy could just do everything. And in the culmination of that, you know, when he came to the WWE, after his work in WCW at a cruiserweight, um, had maybe the best cruiserweight bout of all time with Rey Mysterio, Halloween Havoc. Uh, 97 still holds up. Um, at, against anything. Yeah, against any, yeah, against anything, against any wrestling bout. Uh, same thing with his bout with uh, Art Barr, his last bout in AAA. And just did everything so good, so well. And did it for such a long period of time. Uh, and it culminated, fans knew, because he, everywhere he went, whether it was ECW and here in Philadelphia, or in WCW, went from cruiserweight to heavyweight. Uh, when he got to the WWF, again, with a group of people, with Dean Malenka, with Chris Benoit, with Perry Saturn, you, you couldn't take your eyes off Eddie. You know, no matter where he went, and he's surrounded by all these other people in, in WCW, lost in the shuffle, being a cruiserweight, he always did something. You know, you couldn't take your eyes off that guy. And when he started rising, being a single star, uh, and he got his shot at Brock Lesnar, uh, and his win, still one of the great wins and one of the great live reactions you can ever see from a, a wrestling crowd. Big people holding up Eddie letters, E D D I E. Um, just a great moment that occurred February 15th, 2004. God, it was 18 years ago. And the match went 30, and the match went 30 minutes. Yeah, it was a, it was a slog in the greatest way. It looked like two guys that were just fighting everything they could to win that match. Yeah. But uh, yes, in this week in wrestling history, my favorite wrestler won. His first and only World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I obviously we talked about this many times that he was on. He was going to win his second title at the Survivor Series that year. He left us in November of uh, 2005, um, but he would have been another. He would have been champion again um, if he was still with us. But yeah, February 15, 2004, uh, Eddie Guerrero. Won his first and only heavyweight championship over Brock Lesnar. 18 years ago, and Brock Lesnar still wrestling now. Incredible. Uh, which brings us to today in wrestling history. Remember, we said part one where Shawn Michaels lost his smile and he gave up the uh, the WWE heavyweight oh, title. So well, it, it was on this Monday Night Raw that uh, they had the 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 final four pay-per-view or the final four um to be the new heavyweight champion and uh between the vader undertaker steve austin bret hart who would come out on top and be the world heavyweight champion even though he could have won it from sean but sean lost his smile so on this day, 1987, I'm sorry, 25 years ago, Bret Hart became the WWE Heavyweight Champion again. 
And he would repay that favor later. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that in November. Yeah, we got a couple more months for there, but uh, yeah, this is when this is this was the beginning. I'm I'm when I think of the two part first one three days earlier, Sean lost his smile, didn't want to drop the belt, couldn't didn't find his his spirit. Looking smacked ass. Yeah, maybe he should have claimed mental health, Dan, back then. Yeah, yeah, when it was convenient, when his agent told him to. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Should have dunked the ball. Oh, sorry. We're talking about wrestling. My bad. Yeah, about wrestling. And the guy we're talking about, look, my eyes are skyward because he's on the sidelines wearing a Brooklyn Nets jacket. Jacket with a big B on it. Cool. B and, uh, for Ben can't shoot free throws. <laughs> B for get better. That's all I want. B for be good. Be, good. be well. <laughs> ben, be well, or be Bret Hart. Or be fucked. <laughs> sorry. Don't be sorry, Dan, because that was a wrestling historian. And you can follow me on all social media platforms Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Ragon, C R A I G L I double G E O N S. You can follow me. On all social media platforms at Danlaw83. It's not hard. HIC Talk Radio Network is on all podcast apps on any smartphone. If you go to the podcast app and type in HIAC Talk Radio Network and you subscribe, you will be able to listen to this show, the Stadium Journey Podcast, Nerd Herders Podcast, Manic Mixtape. Almost 10 years later, we're still going. That'll be in April, 10 years. Ten years, man. Ten years, man. Ten. Uh, but mash that subscribe and follow button, whatever app you're using. Well, don't mash it. Don't break the phone. Just hit follow. And please listen. Um, leave us a rating. Leave us a subscription. Whatever you'd like to do. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it. For Craig Lagans, I am the other guy, Dan Calchico. We will see you next time. Goodbye.